Now we're going to turn tonight in our Bible to Daniel chapter 9. And we do normally sing a hymn after the prayer, but because of the new restrictions, we have dispensed with that, so we're going straight into the Bible reading. If you have your Bible there, turn to Daniel chapter 9, and we'll come to verse 20, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 20. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Daniel 9 verse 20. And whiles I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, whiles I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem Unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the walls even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 27, and we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now this evening, we are continuing our series of expository sermons in the book of Daniel. And tonight, my text is found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 right through to verse 23. And my theme this evening is entitled, God's Answer to Daniel's great prayer of confession. 
Now, Daniel 9 is one of the truly great prayers in all of the Bible. Even a casual reading of the words, the reader would be left with the impression that this indeed is a mighty prayer of intercession. I believe that Daniel 9 is really a model prayer. I believe that this prayer ought to be studied in terms of its different aspects by the child of God, so that the child of God can be better equipped in the great art of intercessory prayer unto the Lord. And as we read and study and meditate on the prayer, there ought to be a desire welling up in our hearts, like the disciples of old said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, in past weeks, we have considered the introductory setting to the prayer. We have noticed the period of the prayer. When was it offered? In the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. That's significant, because Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon, is dead. Babylon the Great is fallen. The emperor is no more, and the Medes and Persians are now in power. We also thought about the preparation from the prayer. Daniel was granted great discernment by reading the words of Jeremiah the prophet. From the scriptures, he discovered four things. One, the fall of Babylon. After 70 years, God said, I will punish Babylon. Jeremiah 25, verses 10 to 12. The second thing he discovered, that the children of Israel were going to return to their own land. There's going to be a restoration of God's people. The third thing that Daniel discovered was that Jerusalem would be rebuilt and the temple worship would be restored. And of course, you can discover that from Isaiah 44, verses 24, right through uh, to verse uh, 28. The fourth thing that Daniel discovered was this, that the Lord wants his people to pray about these things. Jeremiah 29, 10 to 13. We then thought about his posture in prayer fasting and sackcloth and ashes and we closed with his petition in prayer remember he's about 90 years of age and yet he's praying for the lord to help him for the lord to be glorified in all of this answer to prayer and for the lord to pardon iniquity then last week we considered the second part of the prayer, which I called the instructive substance of the prayer. Here's the heart of Daniel's prayer. We noticed its foundation. Daniel's heart and mind was fixated on the message of Scripture, was gripped by the Word of God. He was guided by the Spirit of God to the book of God, and that led him to the throne of God. And I said to you, opening the Bible will result in the opening of our hearts to seek the Lord our God. We considered its consideration. We thought about how Daniel addressed the Lord. He, he considered him as a God to be feared. Oh, great and dreadful God. We thought about the greatness of God, a God to be trusted, who keeps the covenant, a God to be regarded. Children of Israel, when they left God out, had to be brought to the place of confession. We have sinned. And remember, we applied that to our own nation, individually and uh, collectively. He's a God to be recognized, not only in his majesty and his might, but in his mercy. Here's a wonderful truth. God is merciful. He is just, yes, he is holy, but he's also a God of infinite mercy, a God of grace. Think of Daniel's confession. We have sinned. And I would urge you to underline the many times he says that in the prayer. That's an important principle. Sin must be dealt with. Sin must be put away. That's true of us individually. That's true of the church collectively. We thought about his passion. Oh, Lord. 
We thought about the O being wrenched out of his heart. You see, he's full of sober commitment. He's seeking God earnestly, genuinely, believingly, and sincerely, with with specific confidence, believing that God will hear him, believing that God will answer prayer. And that's where we left off last Lord's Day evening. So here's really the third part of the prayer. I've divided it up into three messages. The integral success of the prayer. And you can read about that in Daniel 9, verses 20 right through to 27. Here's God's answer to Daniel's great prayer of confession. Now notice five things here in this answer. The answer came speedily. Look at verse 20. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel. You see, at the time Daniel was praying, from the moment he opened his mouth in prayer, I believe his prayer was heard. From the very moment he started to pray, as now what verse 23 says, at the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee. You see, the answer to Daniel's prayer came at once. It came immediately. There was a swift answer to prayer. While I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, presenting my supplication before the Lord, something wonderful happened. What was happening? My prayer was acknowledged in heaven. There's Daniel down there and he's praying. Are you listening, angels? His prayer's accepted by me. And the prayer's answered. You see, God's answer was to command his angel Gabriel to fly from heaven, to do it swiftly, to do it quickly. And when he came to Daniel, what is the first thing that Daniel said about him? Verse 21, touched me. He helped to strengthen Daniel. He helped to encourage him. Daniel, was he in such bitterness of soul that he needed strengthened physically and mentally to, to help him as he was meeting with this angel? And not only did he touch Daniel, but Daniel says also here that he, he talked with me and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel. Now, what about? Well, it was to help Daniel to understand and consider the matter of the vision. And I believe that that's a reference back into Daniel 8 when he first came to uh, Daniel. So I want you to think tonight of Daniel in prayer. And while he's praying, God commands the angel Gabriel to come forth to touch Daniel and to talk with Daniel. And I believe this literally happened, folks. This is not a fairy story. This is not something make-believe. This is not the stuff of legends. This is not the stuff of, of, of Arthur and, and, and the legendary figure who, who ruled England at one time. Daniel's in Babylon. And I believe he's in his house. And it's in the year of Darius the Mede. Darius the Mede is on the throne. And Daniel's praying. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably sure he was on his knees. And the books were opened. The book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah. He mentions in the prayer the law of Moses. 
And here's the angel as he's praying with the books open. Daniel comes from, or the angel Gabriel comes from glory and touches him and talks with him. And what does he talk to him about? Well, he talks to him about the, the 70 weeks and its meaning. He talks with him about Messiah the Prince and Messiah being cut off. He talks with him about Antichrist coming and the doing away with the, the, the sacrifice in Jerusalem. Now, now, those are all topics for a later time, not for tonight. I'm not getting into the 70 weeks tonight or, or, or Messiah the Prince being cut off tonight. We're just thinking about Daniel's answer to prayer, and I'm saying the answer came speedily. What an experience. What an answer. Do you know, I believe that God has a set time to answer prayer. Some prayers are answered immediately, speedily. Isn't it a privilege to ask God for things? Some prayers are answered even after a considerable length of time. But here's the point. The Lord has a set time to answer prayer. You see, the Lord hears our prayers. I believe every prayer from every saint of God is heard in heaven and precious to the Lord. If you turn over there to Psalm 34... And look with me at verse 15. And then look with me at verse 17. Listen to what the psalmist said. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The psalmist said earlier in this psalm, in verse 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. You see, not one prayer is forgotten. Not one prayer is neglected. Every prayer that's offered in the Lord's name, according to his will, even the sighs and groans of our heart, even the silent prayers, they're all remembered by the Lord. If you turn over there to the book of Revelation, we read there in Revelation chapter 8, and another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Isn't that tremendous? See, your prayers are before the Lord. The Lord has heard those prayers. He's acknowledged them. He's accepted them in Jesus' name. And he has a plan and purpose and a set time to answer. Revelation 5 and 8 says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Oh, that you could recognize that your prayers are heard in heaven. And here's something for your encouragement. God is a set time to answer your prayers. Prayers that are offered according to the will of God. And in Daniel's case, his prayer was answered immediately. There was a swift and speedy answer. Think of Isaiah 65 and 24. Before they call, I will answer. Isn't that wonderful? While they are yet speaking, I will hear. And yet the reality is as well that there's saints now in glory, saints who have been taken home from amongst us, 
And their prayers are still being remembered before the Lord. Their prayers for their loved ones out of Christ are still unanswered. And yet I believe that while they're offered in good faith and offered in the name of Christ and the ground of the blood and offered according to the will of God, then we can still expect God to work and answer those particular prayers. The answer came speedily. That's the first thing I would have you to discover. God's answer to Daniel's great prayer, it came speedily. I want you to think of something else that really struck me. The answer came specially. Now, why did God dispatch Gabriel immediately to Daniel? What was the reason? Daniel, remember, was a saved man. But a man who was in a special relationship with the Lord. You see, if we think about the reason for this speedy answer... We could say, here's part of the reason. Daniel was in a special relationship with the Lord. And I want to ask, are you tonight? Are you in a special right relationship with the Lord? Look at Daniel 9. And notice what he says there in the verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplications, this is Gabriel speaking to Daniel, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee for the word for could be translated because thou art greatly beloved. Now, now, now we'll pause there. That's speaking about Daniel's special relationship with the Lord. How does the Lord see Daniel? As a man greatly beloved. Do you know that that's spoken three times of Daniel? Look at chapter 10 and verse 11. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee. And again, it's mentioned in verse 19, and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee. You see, God is revealing his intensity and the depth of the relationship that he has toward Daniel. Daniel, you're a man greatly beloved. And can I say tonight what's true of Daniel? It's true of every true child of God. God can come to us tonight and say, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 33 and 3. He can say, I've loved you freely. He can say, I've loved you sacrificially. Think of Paul, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He can say, I've loved you personally. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He can say, I've loved you continually. Isn't it we read of Christ, John 13 and 1, having loved his own, he loved him unto the end. Aren't there many today saying, nobody loves me? But I want to say tonight, if you're in Christ and you're in a right relationship with the Lord, then then let's ask, what does the Lord think about you? What's the Lord saying about you? You see, this is not just Daniel. I believe this is applicable to every true child of God, every true believer, all of God's people, from the youngest to the oldest, if you're in Christ, maybe you're a weak, struggling child of God. Maybe you feel, well, I'm the poorest. Maybe you feel, well, well, I'm, I'm the lowest of the low. Maybe you feel, well, 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 I sin and transgress against him. How do I know that God greatly loves me? Well, well let's go to the book. 
Turn over there to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Think of the words. And Daniel will turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Think of that word, behold. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Look at it. Try and understand with your mind. You're drawing attention to, to this great love. You, you have to exercise discernment. Don't, don't rush over this. Think of that word, love. Ponder that tonight. Ponder and consider, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Oh, that we could recognize that God loves us in Christ, as I've said, everlastingly, freely, sacrificially, personally, and continually. Over there in John chapter 17, and in the verse 23, where you have the Savior's great prayer, the high priestly prayer of Christ, he says in verse 23, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. He's speaking to God the Father. And he's saying to God the Father, thou hast loved them. And thou hast loved them in the same way that thou hast loved me. You see, in light of God's eternal purpose and plan, in, in, in relation to God's redemptive purpose, Daniel, you're not only greatly beloved, you're not only special in my eyes, but dear believer in Christ, so are you. Remember what he says here in 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Oh, that we could hear the Lord saying to us tonight, I have loved you in Christ from all eternity. I love you today. I love you tomorrow. And I'll, I'll never stop loving you in the same way because my love is everlasting and infinite and unchangeable because I see you in Christ. And, and in Christ you're accepted. In Christ you're redeemed by blood. Do you and I often see ourselves in Christ? Do, do we see ourselves in him as he lived out a sinless life? Do we see ourselves in him as he went to the cross and died an atoning death? You know, when Christ died, you and I died in him. When he was buried, we were buried in him. When he fulfilled the law of God, we fulfilled the law of God in him. When he arose from the dead, we arose in him. When he was seated at God's right hand, we were seated in him. You see, it all applies to Christ. And what applies to Christ applies to those in Christ. What was Daniel called? A man greatly beloved. Think of Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A name that belongs to Christ. We can say with Solomon, this is my beloved. And this is my friend. And it's wonderful to be able to, to look at Christ and, and, and think, well, he's the one that my soul loves. And, and, and he's my dear friend. But this is more than that. This is God the Father saying to those in Christ, Thou art greatly beloved. Do you see it, child of God? 
Do you know what the margin means? A man of desires. A man who has desires after God does not apply to so many areas. Why do you seek God's face? Because God has put a desire in your heart to do that. You've become the object of his grace. He has drawn your heart and mind out after him. He has worked in your heart. He has filled you with spiritual desires after him. Oh, the Lord doesn't loathe you tonight. He loves you. He, he doesn't reject you. He, he receives you in Christ. Think of Daniel. Was Daniel being addressed? What does the name Daniel mean? God is my judge. Anything that ends in E-L has to do with God and Dan has to do with judge and judgment. But Daniel's a man who has submitted himself before God. He has bowed the knee to the Lord. He has confessed his sin. In fact, if you look at Daniel 9 verse 20, he says, And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin. Do you see that? He took the sinner's place before God. He was acknowledging I deserve hell and wrath and condemnation for my sin. But I'm told that I'm a man greatly beloved of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Here's a reason for the answer. Not only did it come speedily, it came specially. Because Daniel was a man greatly beloved. He was a child of God. He was saved. Can you say that tonight? I'm a child of God. I've bowed the knee. I've received Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. And you can rejoice that, that, that you're in Christ. And, and, and you have the gift of salvation. You know, that's a wonderful privilege. That's a wonderful place to be. Not only did the answer come speedily and the answer come specially, but the answer came specifically. Look at verse 21. Yea, whiles I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me. Now, when did it happen? Notice this, underline this. About the time of the evening oblation. Do you see that? You see that word oblation? Young people, it means offering. Remember Daniel's in Babylon now. Jerusalem's in ruins. The temple has been destroyed. There's no priesthood. There's no offerings been made at this time. No, no sacrifices been offered unto the Lord in the brazen altar. It just didn't exist. But it does exist in the heart and mind of God. And it does exist in the heart and mind of Daniel, the child of God. He remembered the time. It's the time of the evening sacrifice. See, I believe tonight that Daniel was praying to God on the basis of the blood sacrifice. He believed in his heart and mind that no matter how dark and difficult the time was or going to be, that God would hear the cry of his people and he would hear that cry on the basis of the blood sacrifice. The time the prayer was offered is important. The time the prayer was answered is important because it's all connected to the time of the evening sacrifice, the offering of the lamb. How do I know that? Turn over there to Exodus chapter 28. It says in verse 38, Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb shalt thou offer at even. Think of that. And you see, at the time of the evening sacrifice, when the lamb was being offered, 
It all pointed to Christ. The Lamb pointed to Christ. I believe that Daniel deliberately chose to pray at this time. He prayed in the morning. I've no doubt he prayed at noon, but he prayed at the evening because he remembered the time. Prayer that's to be answered depends on the blood sacrifice. And as I've said, the word oblation refers to the offering. And of course, the first time it's used in the Hebrew, it's referred to as offering in Genesis 4. Remember, Abel was a shepherd and he brought a sacrifice of the lamb to God. Is Jesus Christ not the good and the chief and the great shepherd of the sheep? The heavenly shepherd? And he came to sacrifice himself as the lamb of God. So Daniel's praying depending on the blood atonement. So the answer came specifically because of the shed blood. Do you see that? And as Daniel prays, he has this in mind. And then something wonderful happened. Gabriel came. Do you know that Gabriel's mentioned four times in the Bible? Daniel 8, verses 16 and 17. Daniel 9, in these verses that we're reading. Two times in Daniel. And every time he came, he came in the context of prayer being offered. Daniel 8, 16. Daniel 9, 21. And also, if you turn to the New Testament, to the book of Luke, you will see that Gabriel is mentioned there in Luke chapter 1 and in the verse 19. Let's read it together. He appeared to Zacharias. Zacharias, remember, was a priest. He was serving in the temple before the Lord. And he was dispatched. It says in Luke 1 verse 19, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I'm sent, un- and I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show thee glad tidings. Isn't that tremendous? It's interesting that he appeared to Zacharias at a season of prayer. Zacharias is a priest. He's inside the temple. He's, he's beyond the veil. It's the the moment and the season of prayer. And where does he stand? The the, the angel stands at the right side of the altar. The altar of incense. And of course, what was on that altar of incense was a live coal from off the brazen altar. And what was it said? Thy prayer is heard. And again, it's in the ground in the context of the shed blood. Isn't it wonderful that God can say to us tonight in Christ, thy prayer is heard in heaven? And remember what old John said in 1 John 5 and 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him that we ask anything according to his will. He heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. The prayer was answered Specifically, Gabriel, of course, was then sent to Mary. She was told by Gabriel that the child that she was going to give birth to was to be the Son of God, Messiah the Prince. Can you see the connection here? Here's Daniel in prayer, speaking to God, praying, confessing his sin, aware of his sin, thinking of those areas in which he failed the Lord. And he comes to the Lord acknowledging that he's unworthy. But, 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 but on the ground of the blood, he expects an answer. He, he asks God for things. Oh, if you 
are conscious tonight of your sin, know that you failed the Lord, then I would ask you to go to the cross. I, I, would, I would tell you to look into the face of the Lord. And, 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 and even though you're unworthy, cry to God in the ground of the blood that God might answer. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. What's the reason that God answers our prayers? It's not because of who we are or what we've done. It's even in spite of us. Because we're so unworthy and undeserving. And the only way that God answers is in the ground of the shed blood. The answer came sovereignly. If you go back to our text, it says in verse 23, at the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth. The word commandment there is, in fact, in the Hebrew, the word, the word came forth. God the Father had directed his angel Gabriel to come. You think of Daniel with his vision. This vision that has affected him. Remember what he said. Uh, verse 27 of Daniel 8. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days. Afterwards I rose up and did the king's business. And I was astonished at the vision. But none understood it. He struggled with it. Can, can you hear Daniel praying, Lord, help me to understand it? Lord, I, I want to know what the vision means. Daniel's praying about it. He's affected physically and mentally. And, and here's the answer. Gabriel has come and, and he's, he's, he's been told to, to, to help Daniel to understand the matter. Help Daniel to, to consider the vision. And you know, God can say yes in answer to our prayers. God can say no. Think of the Apostle Paul. He prayed about his... Um, eye problem for uh, three times at least, the thorn in the flesh, remember he called it, and he, he was told uh, by the Lord, my grace is sufficient for thee. The Lord can also tell us to wait. See, he has many reasons, and, and I know that this is an area where God's people struggle, struggle with unanswered prayer. And what's some of the reasons for unanswered prayer? Is it it's a sin in the life that's unconfessed? Remember the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Are we asking for something that we might consume in our own lust? James was writing and said, You have not because you ask not, and you have not because you ask amiss that you might consume it in your own lusts. It's important that we ask, but it's important that we ask for something that's according to the will of God. The Lord Jesus said, and this is a verse that's really applicable to me, a verse that I love and I meditate often. He said this, and whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But asking in the name of Christ has to be according to the will of God. And Daniel wanted to understand the vision. And he prayed about it. And here's the answer. And it came not only speedily, not only specifically uh, 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 and specially, but it came sovereignly. It came according to the will of God. And you see, all our prayers that are heard are subject to the will of God. Let me give you one other point tonight. The answer came spiritually. You see, Daniel, as I've told you, was in a right spiritual relationship with the Lord. He was a saved man. He was a spiritual-minded man. He was a supplicating man. Ask the children, what was Daniel like? When they would tell you, well, Daniel was a man of prayer. And I want you to think of Daniel he says, and while I was speaking and praying, think of his commitment to prayer. 
how he set his face to seek the Lord, how he, he gave himself to it. He, he didn't fall asleep. I wonder if you've ever fell asleep in prayer. I, that has happened to me a few times, I have to confess, and I felt really ashamed. And I thought to myself, you know, if I was in the presence of the queen and fell asleep while I was talking to her, she'd be absolutely disgusted. And how much more him who is king of kings and lord of lords, and I know at times we can be mentally exhausted, and, and yet, what a privilege it is to talk to the Lord. What, what a privilege it is that we can commit ourselves to preparing our souls to seek his face. Think of not only his commitment, but think of his confession and prayer. Oh, that, that, that's, that's overwhelming. We have sinned. To take sin seriously, to repudiate it, and to confess it to the Lord. Think of his consideration of God, how, how he addressed the Lord, his perception of who and what God is. Think of his cry. He's pleading with the Lord. Lord, give me. It's a real, true cry from the heart. Think of his confidence. He believed that he was going to get an answer from heaven. And this is how it came. It came because he was spiritually in a right mind to receive the answer before the Lord. I'm going to share a little uh, illustration with you. It's, it's not mine. It was uh, given by the Reverend John Greer. I've heard him saying this on a number of occasions way back in the time when he was in New Town Square. Wasn't many people coming into the church and he was praying that the Lord would help him and he felt the Lord one day put it in his heart. You know what? Try a change of venue. Go, go to a different town. Get, hire out a hall and, and see if you can attract a few new faces and a few new families in. And of course that's what he set about doing and then when he went to get this hall he discovered well it wasn't going to be free. It wasn't like the orange hall here. Uh, Brother Thomas you had to pay for it. And he was thinking, well, how much would it be? And the man told him, it's $100. Well, $100 doesn't seem very much, what, 70 or 80 quid to us. But he said, when you only have a handful of people, it's a lot of money, and he hadn't got $100. And then he decided this particular morning, do you know what? I'm going to ask the Lord for $100. It's not good. It's not a good example for us here in our church with, with all our financial need and commitment to ask the Lord to give us all that we need. Is he able to do it? I believe he is. I believe he's able to give us much more than this. Well, let's hear the rest of the story. He, he prayed and asked the Lord this particular day, Lord, give me $100. Then the phone rang. And it was this particular man who'd been listening to him on the radio, an old man. He said he was about 85 or 86. And he said, could you come and visit me? So he arranged to go and visit him on the Wednesday. When he visited the man, he discovered the man wasn't saved. The man had no knowledge of Christ. The man said, I've been in the Presbyterian church for 60 years in America. And being born again of the Holy Spirit and, and, and repenting of his sin and receiving Christ, I've never heard of this. And he got the Reverend Greer to explain it to him. And the Reverend Green thought, well, I've been here long enough. I'll, I'll pray and I'll read with this guy and left it with him. And then the man says, no, don't go yet. Uh, tell me that again. Explain that to me. So, so he did that the second time. And the man says, right, if I get down on my knees and confess my sin and ask Jesus Christ to become my Lord and Savior, I can be saved now at this minute. And Reverend Greer said, well, this is what the Bible says. But as many as received him, that's Christ to them. Give ye the right, the power, the privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. And, and he explained what that meant. And the man says, well, I want to get saved now. And the Reverend Greer led him to the Lord. And he was so excited about leading the man to the Lord, he forgot even about answer to the, uh, the request for, for $100. And he's going out the door. The man said to him, now hold on. He said, I want to give you some of your charts. 
And he went away and got his checkbook and he wrote out this check and he folded it, gave it to the Reverend Greer, he put it in his pocket, he went down the road and he was thanking the Lord. He brought the check out of his pocket, he was driving the car and what was it? A hundred dollars. You see, those are the things that our God does. Our God is no man's debtor. And the answer came to Daniel spiritually. Can we receive answers to our prayers? Maybe you're praying about a loved one. and They're not yet saved. And you've prayed and prayed and prayed. And the answer hasn't come speedily. It's been long in the making. Well, can I encourage you to pray on? Maybe it's about a backslider. Can I encourage you to pray on and hold that individual before the Lord? And say, Lord, take a dealing with my son or my daughter or my friend. Or maybe it's a particular need. Whatever that need is, and in all the multifaceted of our needs and struggles, let's, let's learn to lay them before the Lord. And I, I close with this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. What was Daniel praying about? Understanding a vision that baffled him. And God answered. And if God can do that for Daniel, then is there anything too hard for the Lord? If we go to our God and ask him, he can either say yes and answer speedily. He can say no for a particular reason because he's got a different plan. Or he can tell us to wait and teach us patience and teach us to hold on to him and keep praying till the answer comes. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like that man that I mentioned. You're advanced in years. You're listening to me now and you're not yet converted. You need to be saved. You need to repent of your sin and receive Christ. Now is the time of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. I urge you to repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And God will answer that prayer. For whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved.